The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Hey, I need to apologize. I feel bad. And I wouldn't feel bad until your better half told me I should feel bad. About what? For calling you an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, are you pointing at him? That's mean, because that's my husband. And I'm like, yeah. Well, now I feel like crap. Uh, you know, Eric, I'm going to go. I'm too tall for an Oompa Loompa. I'll be okay. Okay. That was that was low. I'm just. No pun that intended. Wasn't directed towards <laughs> anyone. I'm just saying. Those are pretty sh- short people, and I'm not a short person. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. Um, hey, a lot to get to. Of course, I got to head out here in a, a few minutes. But, uh, Eric, I, I wanted to throw something at just see if it sticks to the wall. Andy Cast did his top 36 teams, right? His power 36 is what he calls it. Four this team, is for college uh, men's call, basketball? Yeah, Andy Katz calls, yeah. Uh, he has the following. San Diego State, Boise State, Utah, and BYU just outside the thirty-six. No recognition of Utah State. Okay. We sleeping on the Aggies a little bit here because they lost one player? I mean, is it that? I, I mean, I get it. It's a big loss at Sam Merrill, second leading scorer ever in Mountain West Conference history. But, I mean, we've got other guys on this team that are pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I think you know we've had a couple different conversations with people about the Mountain West and about the uh, upcoming basketball season. And uh, there seem to be a lot of questions and uncertainty about what the guard situation is going to be like for Utah State. Just because, you know, we, we've seen Marco Anthony, we've heard about him, we've seen what he's done in practices, but let's be honest, it's not like he was a uh, this dominant player at Virginia before he came here. So that we just don't know how he's going to fit in and what it's going to sure. look like. And some of these younger guys that are filling in some spots, we know that the that uh, Namiyash Keta and, and Bean and Alfonso Anderson, we, we like that core that's going to anchor the paint uh, and that uh, what they can do offensively and defensively. But I just think there's some questions about that guard play for Utah State for those outside of the area just aren't sure about. And I have to be honest, I can't fault them because we don't know. We hear good things in what we're hearing from, from the, the coaches and some of the players, but they're always going to say good things about – who their players are, what they're doing in practices. And so until we see them in games, I think there's always going to be, and there probably should be, this little bit of a reservation. It shouldn't be, hey, let's write them off. I don't think they're going to be good. That would be a mistake. But to put them in a top 36 or top but you, 25, but, so you I don't think would be a bit premature. Top 36, though? Like, you have yeah. Boise State in there. You have Utah. But we Utah. know who Utah State, or we know who Boise State has coming back. True. On paper, they look like a cream of the crop with San Diego State. Absolutely. And I leave San Diego State in there as well. But at the same time, again, it's just one player that exits. Uh, I think Sean Barrisville is going to be really good. We he got a ton of minutes last year as a as a freshman. He's going to be the most experienced of the younger cats. Justin Bean, Namiyash Keta, Brock Miller comes back. Hopefully Brock gets his confidence back in shooting, and then he'll be that Brock Miller that we all love him to be. I, I just, I don't know, like Utah's in this group. Utah. I mean, the they had to close off the top of the like arena because they can only f- 
get 8,500 fans to be able to come join in and watch the games. I mean, I know they got Jackson Branchley, the Riley Jones kid's a stud. Mason Falls live. I don't, I don't know if he, is he going to serve a church mission or is he? I don't know what his uh, his uh, so his start plan is for Utah. Even with that though, Utah's not in your top thirty six. There's no way Utah's good enough to be in the best of thirty six. I think Utah may be a little bit overrated. It just surprised me to see them there. I know they got a lot of young talent that they went with a year ago, and they they it was a challenge for them. But a lot of those guys coming back, and I think a lot of it is because of that Ryland Jones. The kid's a baller. Yeah, he is really good. I've and again, he's only a freshman. He's coming along. I think Jackson Branchley's going to be a, a stud as well. His brother Landon's going to be at Utah State when he's done serving his church mission. But I, I just think we're on a while. All of a sudden, we're you know all eyes and wide eyes on Utah University. It's not 1998. It's kind of cooled down there a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just surprised. I was surprised a lot, by the way. About that, yeah, uh, me too. With with Utah, but I, I'm not surprised that Utah State is excluded. Even Boise State being in there, you're not surprised at all. Um, I mean, because because they're in the same situation. They got a bunch a lot of, of people that are guards. really fawning over Boise with who they have coming back and what that that staff is doing. Yeah, but they have a bunch of transfers and most of them guards. Like, I mean, we haven't really seen what Boise State's team this year. Looks like. Now, of course, they got that Derek Alston kid come back. Um, he can, and you know what? As good as he is, he can shoot you out of a game, too, pretty quickly. And we figured that out up against uh, San Diego State. And then, uh, I I don't think Boise State is, I think they're overhyped. And you know what? They're probably going to end up as being one of those teams picked to win the Mountain West Conference. If not San Diego State, it's going to be Boise State. They'll be either first or second. But I agree. Yeah, I don't think they're that good. I think uh, it's I a think bunch it, of transfers. I think it would be San Diego State number one, Boise State number two. Would you put USU number three then? I would. Yeah, I think I would put Utah State number three. Probably Nevada number four. You think Utah State's okay with that? You know, like, hey, look, we, we saw the pressure last year. I think that's perfect. Don't want to a chip on their shoulder. There you go, San Diego State. Bullet board. Have that mantle back and enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's great for Utah State. So wait, the absence of Sam Merrill, what is a bigger absence loss? Sam Merrill to Utah State or Malachi Flynn to San Diego State? Fair question. Um, Because I feel like Malachi kept San Diego State in a lot of those games, including that game at San Jose State where they should have lost it. True. Uh, I think that they – that's a really, really good question. Because both teams have some solid players coming back. Yeah. Boy, that's a really good question, Ajay. I have to take some time to think about that. That fair enough. Fair enough. I will. You, I would you let me know your answer when you do think about? It? I mean, I'm being honest and sincere too. I I would love to hear because we talked about Malachi and you know and and then Sam Merrill and obviously what Sam Merrill's done is historic and great and forever will have his name etched as one of, if not the Aggie great. In in uh, not only just bass men's basketball and sports at Utah State, um, but my goodness, I man Malachi Flynn was phenomenal, and I mean the guy was and when they a went great two way player oh heavens yes and when they went toe to toe with Nevada and that Jalen Harris cat 
it was Malachi Flynn in the second half who took over and said, you know what, spotlight's on me. I'm going to finish this thing, and I'm going to shut everybody up that I am the player of the year. And he did just that. Like, watching him in person was a treat. Um, and you saw how under control he was with everything he did. And, of course, Eric, you know that, that what, three quarters of a court shot at the Mount West Conference Championship giving the buzzard where it honestly was like halfway in and then halfway out. And it just, guy's unreal. Guy's unreal. He's going to be, he'll be a good NBA draft pick. He gets drafted, right, in your opinion? Yeah, I think he does because he fits what a lot of teams are looking for now. Um, just a, you know, a defensive guy, but he can create on the outside. Maybe a little undersized, though, but I don't think that has become an, as much of an issue in the NBA as perhaps it would have been 10 years ago. Um, so I, I think he'll be okay. I think he has a place. Sam Merrill has a place. Hmm. Even though some of our people who text in don't think that Sam does have a place. Who so gets drafted he, higher? He does. Who gets drafted first, Sam or Malachi? Uh, probably Malachi. Me too. I just think yeah, he's more, a little more athletic, maybe a little more aggressive defensively. Um, and uh, offensively, pretty similar. Um, but uh, I think that uh, Malachi probably does get drafted before Sam does. And I hope this is fair to say, Eric. Um, I feel like Malachi can fit on a lot of different teams. Uh, in my opinion, Sam needs the perfect team who's going to use them in the perfect way. Um, a spot-up shooter... Uh, you know, good defender. I'm not going to say great defender. I'm going to say good defender. I think Tony Jones, uh, Sam Vecini, Chris Vanini all said the exact same thing. That, hey, look, like this, this guy's going to be good, and he's, but he's not great defensively. And he's not going to be great defensively in the NBA. But he's going to be good enough to be on an NBA team. And I hope that uh, the right team can find Sam. That's what's going to be the key for Sam Merrill to play a long time in the NBA. The right team finding him and using him in the right way. I think Malachi is going to be used in a little bit more different and diverse way. More minutes, more usage uh, rate in his rapport offensively and defensively. So I'm just looking at one draft board. Yeah, yeah. And I know there's a lot of them that are out there. And some are maybe a little bit better than others. But uh, one has Malachi Flynn going 41 overall and Sam Merrill going 55. It's really not that far apart from each other. So would that be but both si- second rounders? Okay, I was gonna say because fifty-five would that put him in the third? Or is that second round pick then? Does it say um, really quick? Does it say what team Malachi would end up or predict? Uh, no, since they're both second rounders, it doesn't. Really it doesn't matter because I guess the picks flip back and forth. It's, huh? There's a lot of movement in second round. If there was a good team for Sam to fit on, it would be what? <sighs> good question. I think that. San Antonio? Depends on what coaching looks like in the next year because there's, well, there were six vacancies. Now there are only five. Um, But, you know, the the Houston system, I think Sam would fit in well with the Houston system. Yeah. I think Sam would fit in well at San Antonio. I think he'd fit in well in Utah. Why? Uh, I think that he'd fit in well um, to uh, to even a degree in like a, a Golden State. Why Utah? Because uh, they put a premium on mount outside shooting. Yeah, that's true. Six um, five guard, uh, they can distribute, can handle the ball. He's unselfish too. I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah. Houston, you think so too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Houston, I think would be a good fit. I think Houston has the ball movement, especially like Sam's so good at seeing everything before it happens, and that's why I think Sam would be really, really good in Houston. You, Utah's an interesting idea. 
I don't think that they'll take him. No, me neither. Because unless think, he's sitting there in like the late late rounds. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that. Um, well, in the second round, their philosophy is next best player. Mm-hmm. So it it will depend on what what else is available. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, uh, but to say what Utah State to write off the Aggies, um, just because Sam Merrill is not there anymore, would be a big mistake. Huh. All right. Fair enough. Let's see. I'm looking at an NBA uh, uh, one put together by ESPN. Malachi Flynn is at 38, and uh, looks like. Sam Merrill is at 62 on their on their draft board. Mm. So it's going to vary. There's a lot of uncertainty, especially with uh, all the distance and time and not having a, an NCAA tournament to see how these guys perform on the big stage. Uh, the NBA has said that they're moving back the, the, the draft. It's going to take place in late to November. But what we don't really know is, you know, I think there's still a little bit of question there about what kind of workouts do these guys get. Yeah, because they're moving everything back, right? Again, the draft and the and the uh, free agency, they're moving all that back. So uh, I don't know what the workouts – because the workouts won't be in person. Won't they be virtual? Yeah, they're supposed to be virtual. Someplace uh, within the state they, where these players reside, they're not going to send them all over the, all over the country. Uh, find a place within the state where they reside to do a, a, a workout and get the video on them, run some questions by them, and then you just have to evaluate a lot of film. Wow. Wow. That's going to be weird. That's just, that's odd. I wonder who it hurts the most. Again, this draft will be really, uh, we've heard it from everybody, it's going to be watered down from last year, right? It's going to be extremely watered down. Um. And so maybe, maybe there's a chance that Malachi moves up. Maybe there's a chance that Sam moves up a couple spots or falls back a couple spots to a different team that fits him better. That's that's the fun of it all is who knows what's going to happen here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's – there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, players internationally, how well can you scout them? Mm. How much real film do you have on these guys? You're not able to travel to see them in games as much. So, yeah, it's going to be a weird year mm. next year. Amen. For all these uh, incoming rookies. Amen. Uh, hey, let's do this. We've got to take a quick break. But when we come back, Ajay, let's get your player uh, for, of the week and the stat that blew your mind before yeah. we let you go. Okay. And I'd uh, love to hear from you as well. If you've got a stat or a player that stood out to you this past week, 435-339-0321. Text into the program and let us know. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Ajay's got to skip out a little bit early today. So, before we let you go, Ajay. Yes. We need to find out. America <clears throat> wants to know. What was the stat that blew your mind? Who was your player of the week? 
Let's take a look at the numbers. It's the stat that blew our minds. He did what? On the full court press. Wow, that blew my mind. Can we get our other audio? Whenever that is. I asked about it. It's been a while can. since we've asked about it. <laughs> Got to keep reminding. <laughs> keep reminding. Um, love to help out with that sometime, too. I also offered to help. <laughs> uh, Eric, the stat that blew my mind. Okay, so the Lakers won game two. Game three tonight, 7 o'clock. Game two, Anthony Davis hits a buzzer beater. By the way, that's his second career game-winning buzzer shot. First in his playoff career. That's because the Pelicans went to the playoffs. The last Laker to hit. A game-winning shot at the buzzer in the playoffs, Eric, was who? Probably Kobe Bryant. You know, that would be a good guess. That's not correct, though. How about freaking Metal World Peace? What? In 2010, hit a game-winner at the buzzer. And if I remember right, that was in the second round? If I'm not mistaken? No, third round, because they played the Jazz in the second round knocked them out. Yeah. Metal wow, World it's been Peace. ten years. It's been ten years since the Lakers have had a game-winning buzzer beater in the playoffs, and it came out of all the people on our test. <laughs> Go figure. A stat that blew my mind, uh, because of its sheer uh, futility. There were a couple of from the NFL that I could have chosen. Uh, that Atlanta Falcons one. You read more about that yesterday, but this is a different one. Lions, the Detroit Lions. They become the first team in NFL history. To lose four straight games in which they had a double-digit lead. Oh, geez. They lost, uh, they've lost. they lost 11 straight games overall. Uh, it's most since losing 19 in a row from 2007 to 2009, including the first ever 0-16 season in league history. So, Wait, did you say four straight games having double-digit leads and they've lost? They have lost four <laughs> straight games in which they had a double-digit lead. Oh, jeez. So, if you're the Lions fans and you see them with a the double-digit lead, don't get too excited. If you're a Jazz fan, we have a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and playing the Nuggets. Just know it's going to go. It's going to be gone. Oh, that's brutal for the Lions, man. I feel bad for Matty P. Good defensive coordinator at New England. And just, I mean, he just can't keep the glue together over there in Detroit right now. It's bad. He might be gone after the season, too, and it's only year two for him. I mean, that's a, it's really hard to change a culture sometimes. Some... Some places, they are just so dysfunctional, and the culture is just so hard to change. You have to give good people a little extra time to do it. And sometimes that's still not enough. Yeah, it's still not enough. Hey, the player of the week for me is going to be Elijah Mitchell of Louisiana Raging Cajuns in a 34-31 win in overtime. 16 carries, 164 yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner. He also had a 59-yard run for a touchdown. Ooh, juicy. So he's yeah, that's that's pretty darn good night for him. That's a nice team. Uh, I I worry that they're going to get overlooked once these other once Big Ten SEC get going. Yeah, once yeah. these other big I just power hope they can win. I mean, just go win out, and then you, I mean you got to let the rest fall into place. That's how it goes. Uh, my player of the week is Russell Wilson, also on the gridiron, but in the you NFL, jerk. <laughs> he was phenomenal uh, against New England Patriots, which is supposed to have this really vaunted, uh, strong defense. No, no. And a really good Eric, team. And That's not true. Uh, everybody's excited about Cam Newton. It was a duel between the two quarterbacks, and Russell Wilson outdueled Cam Newton. Five touchdowns, uh, 288 yards through the air, which isn't a whole lot. I mean, there were a couple guys that threw for more than 400 on Sunday. 
But he also put uh, 39 on the ground and just really led his team uh, to a victory. Okay, and, uh, Tolan, you quit wet. Russell your pants. Wilson, my no, player of the no, week. No, stop it. Really good defense, Eric. They have four starters out on defense. Really good defense. Like, what are you talking about? Who are you? Are you drugs? New England prides itself on its defense. And they have four starters out. Don't freaking try to milkshake this into Russell Wilson and throw on the cape against the vaunted defense of the Patriots. This isn't 2015. Okay, this is, I mean, they they don't have four starters on the field right now for the whole entire year. So put that in your pipe. Well, look, they, they didn't necessarily dominate a Dolphins team last week, and Dolphins are not good. And they lost against the Seahawks. You just need to come to grips with this New England whoa, team. just not going to be okay, that good on, this year. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So without James White, their leading running back, without four starters on defense, they still lose by a possession. I mean, they're 10 seconds away from winning this football game. They lose it to the Seahawks in Seattle. They beat the Dolphins, but it's not good enough for Eric's eyes. It's not attractive You just sound enough. like excuses. No, no, it just it sounds like you're just trying to find you are being okay, – you're Doug Gottlieb right now, and I need you to stop it. Okay? You almost said that other guy. I, uh, I know you I, were thinking I, about I, it. I would throw I think- something at you. <laughs> I thought about it, but your eyes rolled toward me, and I was like, ah, Doug Gottlieb. Don't, don't. There we go. Pick on him. I don't like him. Don't go there. Hey, by the way, did you see Maria Taylor left off AD, uh, quote-unquote, accidentally off the uh, All-NBA team? Man, Doug Gottlieb just lit her up. They're like, okay, I mean, that happens, right? I mean... You sometimes leave a all M or all defensive player off an all NBA team. She didn't put him on any of the three. <laughs> she left Anthony Davis of all three. You know, NBA if you're teams. if you're an official voter, there's an expectation that you do your homework and the votes that you cast count for a reason. Yeah, there's a reason why you put every person on there. So I can't really fault Doug there. If you're an official voter, if you're going to put cast an official vote. It's going to count. You better do your homework and stand by the decisions that you made there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just to say, oh, I just forgot. Probably not. I don't good, care who it? you are. You it's can't Anthony just Davis. leave Anthony Davis <laughs> off all three off of an all NBA team, and and not just one, but all three. She didn't put him on there. Yeah, I don't fault Doug Gottlieb. What was more? What was more atrocious? Maria Taylor leaving Anthony Davis off the three All-NBA teams or me leaving J.C. Carroll off my top five All-Best Aggie team? Uh, probably you leaving J.C. Carroll. No way. This is no an, way. That was there's, an historical all-time, no, not just for this no, year. There's 15 players on that All-NBA team, and she didn't put Anthony Davis on no. <laughs> as one of the top your, 15. Your decision no, was more Anthony atrocious. Anthony Davis was more not. More egregious. That was only five players. I only that five was a choices. bigger sin. If you give me 15 choices, I bet I put J.C. Carroll on there. <laughs> no. Can we do a top 15? Only Can, we do five. Can we redo that by chance and give me top 15? <laughs> no. I'll you'll put, put JC on there. I you'll promise. You'll put like Taysom Hill in there somehow. <laughs> I throw TJ Oz over there over JC. Kyle Van Noy will make your list. <laughs> do you know what we should do? Oh, my gosh. To get ready for the football season, if there is a football season, an all-defensive team and an all-offensive team. That could get spicy. For Utah State? Yeah. No, for BYU. <laughs> well, it seems to be where your headspace is these days. I don't know how, how you made it on this show. 
Okay, With those you don't understand. Of you act like I didn't get punished for that. All right, we got text messages. I got tweets. Uh, and the apparently, it's not enough. Was trending in my name and not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh shoot. Yeah. Uh, that would do, be a good Friday do, Five best if we, yeah. as a way to get us ready for. Uh, yeah, I think we should. Uh, Mountain um, West Conference. But again, season. I think we should do a top 15 all-time Utah State basketball squad because they need a bench. J.C. Carroll would make my bench. You could have your five starters, your next five, and then your third string. Yeah, yeah. Just the, you know, the guys holding the water, just waiting to get on the court. It would really help my <laughs> reputation. <laughs> Dude, the look you gave me that day was not... <laughs> I fell out of my chair. <laughs> what is happening in here? After the <laughs> oh shoot! It was, the conversation we had after when we went to break was not very. <laughs> okay, uh, I gotta go. Before you, you go, yeah. just your reactions to the Billy Donovan to the Chicago Bulls. Interesting fit. I was kind of with you. I was okay. So before I was like, yeah, he'll stay in the NBA. But after you and I talked about it, I thought, hey, maybe he will go college. Maybe he'll find somewhere to go. And Chicago, I mean, I know they have a bunch of young, trendy players. I mean, but I guess the the good thing is, is that there's not a lot of expectation on Chicago. No, wait, there's none. Like, Houston <laughs> yeah. has a ton of expectation. I'd say Oklahoma City has a lot of pressure to draft well and then develop those young guys. Chicago, there's no expectation. You go in there in the Eastern be Conference. expectation in Indiana. Absolutely. Yeah. Are they without a coach, too? Right, yep. Dude, the Indiana job is lucrative, but again, there's a lot of pressure, and if you don't start winning within two to th- see, like Billy Donovan's gonna get four years. Indiana's new coach is gonna get two to three at best to start winning, and if they don't make the playoffs in year two, they're gonna start hearing it over there as well. So there's a lot of pressure. Um, no, but Billy's interesting in Chicago. I again, I just think it's more. There's no pressure. He's got time to develop, and people stay the heck out of his way. I, I think that the. Uh... I'm with you that there's some young talent there, and here's a guy who um, long history in the college game uh, did some nice things despite what was happening around him in Oklahoma City. Yeah, and so I think that'll be an interesting hire for Chicago. I'm not sold that he, you know Chicago is going to be a contender. No, in the East, heavens, no. But he may be able to make something of them where they make it to the playoffs. Yeah, see, and then again, there's, there's like no expectation, right? Because there's Milwaukee, there's Indiana, there's Miami, there's Boston, there's Philadelphia, so on and so forth. And the Philadelphia job, by the way, that hasn't been taken up either yet. That's still vacant, right? The Sixers job? That's still open. See, that's crazy. So there's Philadelphia, there's Oklahoma City, there's Houston, there's Indiana. And what's the common thread between all four of those teams? New Orleans. Okay, leave out New Orleans. Well, no, may- that's it. Those are the five. Okay, so maybe leave out New Orleans. Well, maybe you could put them in there. I'll let you decide. What's the common thread between the four teams that you mentioned before New Orleans? Sixers, Indiana, Houston, and Oklahoma City. Those are playoff teams. Bingo. Pressure jobs. Isn't it interesting that those jobs haven't been filled yet? Pressure jobs, but opportunities for success, too. But if you don't succeed in the first two to three years, though, I mean, does your seat get warm already? Because you're supposed to win? Uh, that's fair. West of Westbrook and Harden in Houston, you're expected to win right now. There's no next year. You need to win right now. In Oklahoma City, you're going to have a couple of years. With yeah, I think Oklahoma picks. City will give them a longer leash because they know they have all these upcoming draft picks. 
It's kind of a rebuild. Do you We're put the reshape Pel- the team how we want? Do you put the Pelicans in that group too, or no? I think Pelicans are probably a little bit further ahead. That okay. we already have our young talent. We're sure. going to develop them now. Um, Oklahoma City is is kind of shaking off the last vestiges of Kevin Durant, James yeah. Harden, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, we're going to reshape and rebuild and redefine who we are. Even though this last year was kind of that, but I'm surprised that he, they still made that decision to uh, to can Billy Donovan. But I almost kind of wonder if Billy Donovan was ready to go too. Like if like, look, we, I mean, we got the young talent, sure, but um, I mean, again, just the pressure of it all. I just don't think was fair to Billy. So I'm glad he's in Chicago. Like you said, you like I love what you said. Not a championship team, but in a couple of years, a playoff team. That's what Chicago would like to see. Yeah, maybe that, that's a if good they, idea. They make some right moves to get some free agents. Yeah, develop the talent that they have. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a big city, big market, great history. Shouldn't take too much to turn them around. But it's a, yeah, it, it, it's an attractive free agency land. That's I like that could idea. Could be, could be. Okay. You have the money to spend. All right. Well, uh, Ajay, we're going to let you go. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Awkward Goodbye. silence. All right. All right, so Ajay's out of the building. We're going to take a step aside, talk about a few other things that we want to get through today. Um, I want to hit on the, uh, the week two of the NFL. is now done. And a lot of undefeated teams so far. It ties a record for how many undefeated teams just through the first two weeks. What has surprised you so far in the first two weeks of the NFL restart? Um, and uh, a lot of injuries in week two. Are they because of turf in certain locations? Are they coronavirus-related? we got some comments on that that we'll look into. Um, also, the playoff race is getting really close in some divisions for Major League Baseball. and others, it's pretty well tied up that they're going to go, but what seeding are they in? And there's some really interesting things that could play out there. Now, are teams going to kind of game the system to get the right matchup that they want? Uh, and so what's kind of on the line there for Major League Baseball? We'll get into that a little bit later on in the Full Court Press and preview Game 3 between the uh, NBA, uh, in the NBA between the L.A. Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Is this the game for the Nuggets to get uh, a win and get to back on track in this series? We'll talk about it next on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you here on a Tuesday. And a couple things to look forward to tonight. Game three between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Uh, just the scheduling seems a little odd in the NBA right now. The way that it's working with the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Um, just that why Boston and Miami have this big delay between their games. But uh, either way, Lakers. Nuggets, game three tonight, 7 o'clock on TNT. Lakers are favored by 6.5 going into this one. Um, and uh, uh, Nikola Jokic uh, saying that, um, you know, that his team needs to fight uh, in this one. And uh, 
uh, to give themselves a chance to get back into it. Uh, and he says, his quote is, I mean, we are here as underdogs. That's how you say underdogs. Uh, I mean, we need to fight. That's our only chance. They were up 15, isn't it, or 16? I don't know how much they were up. We could just call it a game and quit. I think we just want to give the fight. Maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it's going to be 30 points, but fight needs to be there and effort. Uh, and that's certainly what this Denver Nuggets team has done in these playoffs. It's hard to count them out. They've had multiple games where they've been down double digits, and they fight and they get back into it. But AJ did raise the question just the other day: I mean, How many times can you do that and get away with it? Uh, kind of playing on house money here. I think they've they've uh, it, it's worked for them in the past. But this Lakers team does seem more dialed in now and probably playing some of their best basketball that they've played uh, and uh, getting contributions from bench guys and fringe guys that have been shaky at times in the past. So um, this will be a, a real test for this Denver team. If, if they don't win tonight, can they still come back? Can they win four straight against the Lakers? Well, that'd be really tough. They've not done that against anybody else. They've been down 3-1 before in their series this year, twice. Uh, they were down twice last year. They won one, lost one last year being down 3-1. But being down 3-0 is different. Um, you know, Statistically speaking, it's uh, it's been next to impossible to see teams come back from a 3-0 deficit to win a series. Um so I think this really is the game for Denver to try to figure out how to get a win. They were so close in game two. I think that should give them some confidence that they can hang with these Lakers. They've they've got some some playmakers and some guys with some abilities to get some things done. If they just do a little bit better on some rotations defensively, uh, it's a different story as that uh, game finished at the buzzer for the Lakers. But – uh, I think that when you look at what this Denver team has done in these playoffs, they've been the underdogs. They're comfortable with it. They seem to figure some things out as the series goes on and make the adjustments in their favor. Uh, they had uh, nice contributions from uh, Michael Porter Jr. off the bench in game two. Um, obviously, you know, Jokic put 30, uh, six rebounds, nine assists, four steals. I mean, great stat line, great game. For Jokic, Murray did well offensively, scoring 25 points. But no other starters in double figures. Michael Porter Jr. had 15 off the bench. But uh, this Denver team is going to need some more guys helping out. Um, and uh, the, the, the Lakers, if they want to try to sustain and put this thing away, uh, they're getting big game from Anthony Davis, LeBron James. It's that uh, third option that is always a curiosity for the Lakers. Who is it that third guy going to be? Uh, is it going to be Kuzma, who has struggled in this series? Um, is it going to be uh, Dwight Howard, who gives you, you know, eight points? Uh, it's unexpected. Uh, is it going to be Rondo, who starts hitting outside shots again? Or Contavious Caldwell-Pope? So um, there, it's, a, it's always a question for L.A. who that third player is going to be. Uh, for Denver, it seems to be pretty clear. Uh, it's, it's Jokic, Murray, and Porter. But uh, for them, they need that uh, even a fourth option to get into double digits to make the difference. So, uh, game tonight in uh, in Orlando in the bubble. Um, it's going to be seven o'clock on TNT. Um, I 
I'm inclined to take Denver in this one. Uh, Lakers are favored by six and a half, but I, I think that I'm going to go with Denver because how well they played them in game two. Uh, they know that this is a critical game for them. Uh, if they can't let Los Angeles go up three to nothing. So uh, I think they're going to be uh, digging in. I think they made some interesting adjustments to give themselves a, a fighting chance in the second half. And if they can use that to their advantage, not having so much time off um, like the the Miami-Boston series, probably a good thing uh, for Denver. Uh, but speaking of Boston and Miami, that series will resume on Wednesday. Uh, Boston has an early three-point uh, – I guess they're favored by three points early in this one. Uh, Boston benefiting from uh, Gordon Hayward back in the bubble. Now, there was some question about whether he would leave because of his wife. Is They're expecting a child, uh, but uh, his family, they've decided for him to stay with his team now because he was not with them, recovering from his uh, turned ankle. And now that he's back, played 30 minutes for him in uh, in Game 3. Um, so they uh, feel like it's okay for him to to stay there, to stay in the bubble, and, and uh, she'll be okay uh, with their delivery of their new child uh, without him. And uh, he'll be able to join them shortly after that. So uh, anyway, uh, that that is a really intriguing series, how Miami's been playing. Boston did make some adjustments. And uh, I think having Hayward back makes a big difference for the Celtics. Um, so we'll see if they can continue to uh, make those. If that addition with Gordon back is going to be the big difference for them for the rest of this series, or if it was just a one-game oddity, and uh, it was a, a nice morale boost, uh, or does uh, Miami make their adjustments and and, uh, and it doesn't phase them as much? I, frankly, I think it makes a big difference for Boston to have a player like that, that caliber. Uh, it, it totally changes your rotations. It totally changes your shot making. Uh, and uh, somebody else on the floor that can defend and that can put some points on the board, not having to rely on your your second, third string guys. He's a first string guy that's now a part of the mix. So I think that makes a big difference for Boston, but how do they integrate him into regular rotations where they haven't seen him and they've been winning without him? Um, but uh, it seemed to work out uh, in game three as uh, Boston was able to get the win and uh, avoid going down 3 nothing like Denver is at risk of doing tonight. Um, uh, frankly, I think that uh, for, for the uh, Nuggets, Probably the, the biggest guy that could have an opportunity based on how things are going in this series. Uh, uh, Paul Millsap may be able to have a little bit more. Uh, he's done a lot on the court. He hasn't scored a ton of points, but he's been really important uh, to, to Denver in this series and, and through these playoffs. He's had some moments where maybe, yeah, he looks like he's overpaid and uh, maybe over the hill and not quite the player that he used to be. But I think he's had some really key defensive moments in this series, I think he's made some pretty crafty moves offensively. Uh, but I think game three could be a really important game for him just as a senior leader for Denver and somebody who's guarded and gone up against LeBron a lot of times when they were both in the Eastern Conference together to uh, to, to really make a difference for Denver Nuggets. So uh, watch for that matchup to see how Paul Millsap does uh, in this one. Um, and then, you know, Torrey Craig's been a little bit quiet. Will he step his game up? Yeah, I think he has that potential. Uh, Gary Harris uh, his, was quiet in game two. What, what kind of 
uh, effect can he have in game three? So I think there's a couple different guys that we've seen have big games for Denver that can have that ability, but uh, they were kind of quiet, and they've been quiet so far in this series. These could be their moment to step up. So, uh, again, 7 o'clock tonight on TNT. All right, coming up next in the uh, on the Full Court Press, let's talk a little bit more about the NFL. Were you surprised by the score last night? Man, I was. Uh, did not see what those uh, that the Raiders team could do. Did not give them a whole lot of credit, but uh, as we talked about, both Ajay and I were going to take the Saints and the points over the Raiders, and boy, they proved us wrong. Uh, we'll look at them. They're one of 11 teams that are undefeated right now after two weeks into the NFL season, which ties a record. Some teams surprising, some others maybe not so much, and who was uh, surprising with not having the level of success that perhaps we would have guessed by now. We'll talk about that next. And also the Major League Baseball season, regular season's winding down. What are some of those playoff races looking like and uh, playoff changes in the World Series? Some new news about that as well. All coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Or maybe you're listening to us on our podcast. Thank you for listening and downloading. And you can find us wherever podcasts are. We're in a lot of different places. Just search Full Court Press. Search my name, Eric Franson. Search Ajay Salveson, and you'll likely find us. Or you can always listen and find them right there on 1069thefan.com. So thanks for listening wherever and uh, whenever uh, you may be listening. So a couple different things. Looking at the NFL, boy, I'll be honest. I was surprised. I did not see that coming with the uh, with that game last night on Monday Night Football. The Oakland Raiders were much maligned for some of the decisions that they made, trading away some key players, some big pieces to who they were. And they struggled for a little bit, and uh, they got mocked for it. But has it really been paying off? Was it a longer play than we gave them credit for? Because this is a team that's playing well, or is it uh, these first two games kind of a fool's gold? So we not get too excited just yet about the Raiders. But still, a 10-point win over the Saints, who, man, this Saints team was supposed to be a team that uh, a lot of people had deep in the playoffs, maybe maybe even a Super Bowl contender. Uh, but uh, uh, Drew Brees struggled to get the ball downfield. Not a lot of deep passes. Uh, granted, you know he didn't have his one of his number one targets uh, to throw to. Alvin Kamara was doing everything, running the ball and and catching the ball. Uh, but what um, Derek Carr? Give him credit. Thought he looked solid. 282 yards, three touchdowns. They had a, a good defensive presence. Getting after what they were trying to do. Um, you know, uh, Jonathan Abram, I thought, played really well uh, in uh, creating pressures for uh, Drew Brees. 
So a uh, little surprised by that one. A beautiful stadium, by the way. Uh, and it's not that far away. I, I know there's a lot of people in our area who have plans to go see Raiders games because you can get to Las Vegas pretty easily. Beautiful new stadium. Uh, and uh, some interesting comments after the game and about the arena itself. Uh, first, John Gruden about their first game in uh, their new stadium just there on the uh, Las Vegas Strip. Really happy for our team, proud of our guys, coaches and players, and uh, thrilled for uh, being a part of our first win here in our stadium against a great team. And uh, hopefully our fans, even though they couldn't be here tonight, hopefully they you know, see something that they like. And, uh, Okay, that got a little weird there. <laughs> and anyway, he was saying he hoped to see fans back in the uh, in the stadium. We we can't wait to get them back in, in this place. It's such a great place to see a game. Now they've uh, Davis, the owner, has said uh, from the get go, just no, just don't even bother with bringing fans in. Now some arenas, uh, they're letting certain percentage of fans, 25 20, percent come to the games, but to do that, there are some significant things that you'll need to do to get the stadium to accept fans, and there's extra cleaning and sanitation, uh, extra, uh, you know, that the glass, you have to put in for concessions and things like that. Some aren't even going to be doing concessions, how you handle ticketing. And so for some, it was an extra investment to try to make it uh, safe and follow certain protocols to allow fans but the, the Raiders already put a ton of money trying to get the stadium open, and uh, they just figured, you know, we're just not going to do fans here just yet. But it looks a be- like a beautiful arena, and that's the first time I've seen it lit up at night. Uh, I've driven past it before. I've seen it off the freeway, but seeing the aerial views, um, wow, it's it was pretty, pretty something to, to see what that looked like. Um, and you know, there's already you know the the Raiders. They have a different kind of fan base. They go to the the dark side and a lot of things that they do, painting their faces black, and uh, they've got the the skulls and the the spikes on the armor, and they really have an intimidating fan base. And as you might suspect, with the new arena, big and black, they're referencing it and calling it the Death Star, but. Really, is that such a good thing? I mean, the Death Star didn't really stick around. Welcome to the Death Star, where our opponents' dreams come to die, says Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis, his nickname for the new Allegiant Stadium, right out of Star Wars. But it was the villain's HQ, no? What went through my mind didn't go through your mind. Head coach John Gruden. I think it's a cool name for our stadium. But the Death Star was blown up three times. I don't give a damn about Star Wars. But it's a cool stadium. When asked about Death Star being a failed infrastructure project, owner Davis says, no, not theirs. Chuck Severson, ABC. Sports. <laughs> ah, I love that. John Gruden, ah, Star Wars thing, it's not for him. Uh, so, I mean, it, on paper, maybe it sounds good, but when you look a little bit deeper and really, you want to, you really want to associate with that, you know, Death Star thing. Really, what did it, what, what was it about? Didn't it get blown up? Wasn't it for the bad guys? Didn't they like do a lot of damage and destruction and didn't really work? Well, nonetheless. Uh, I think it's fitting. You know, it, it matches uh, with the, uh, the the ethos of the Raiders, what they're about, you know, their their fan base, the type of uh, image that they portray. It it fits. I'll give them that. 
but I think it's going to be a really interesting place um, for the uh, for the upcoming couple of years that they're going to be there. Several many years that they'll be there. Beautiful arena and uh, could be a great destination for opponents as well. Stick around. We'll talk more about baseball next hour. And their merchandise still sells. And maybe it's because of people of a certain age remember how dominant they were in the 70s. Or maybe it's the black uniforms. They've maintained their bad boy image, even though it doesn't really fit this team. Quarterback Derek Carr isn't exactly Kenny the Snake Stabler. Now they're in Sin City, an unexpected NFL city for a franchise that's always been a bit of an outsider. The Raiders opened their stadium with an impressive win over the Saints last night. Their young stars, running back Josh Jacobs, tight end Darren Waller, outstanding. And the defense responded well after taking a couple of punches early from the Saints. The team's future seems bright, which is good for the NFL. It's been a while, but when the Raiders are competitive, the league is a far more interesting place. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.